take your questions. Is it a virus? We don't know. How does it spread? Is it airborne? Airborne is a possibility. We don't know. Is this an international health hazard or a military concern? Both. Are these people alive or dead? Hold them down! We don't know. Is that true? There's a man going around taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody will be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. When the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up. At the terror in each sip and in each sun. Will you partake of that last offered cup? Or disappear into the potter's bar? When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels sing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born in the Virgins are all trimming their wigs. A U.S. God, they're here. Stephen Gedney is from Woodland, California, broadcasting live from a pre-recorded session via Carmichael, California. Uncle Steve is your biggest weirdo. Are we on the Stephen Gedney podcast? We are on the podcast. Same bad time, same bad Yeah. That's right. Because... Arrive by Turkey. Oh, yeah. Oh, if you know what I'm talking about... I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I'm feeling you all... Steven will definitely not work. <laughs> this is your number 97 source for movies, music, comic books, geek culture, life lessons, philosophy, stories of rock and roll, drugs, alcohol, and everything in between. Come one and come all. Enter the SGP. You're listening to the Stephen Gedney Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That's perfect. Ain't nobody got time for that. Alright everybody, welcome to the Stephen Gedney Podcast, episode 25, October 5th, 2015. October is here. The fall has started. Autumn, if you're fancy. And it's been a pretty good week so far in good old Northern California, via Sacramento, Woodland, Rio Linda, 
Roseville, Elk Grove, whatever, wherever you are. You could be even other parts of the country or to the world. It doesn't matter, but I'm specifically the dude who comes from California, so I'm just telling you how it is. And the weather's starting to cool down. We got some rain this week. Shit, last night there was some unexpected thunder and lightning shaking the house. Fucking A, man. That was insane, but enough about the weather let's talk about what's happening and not much has been going on this last week but it's october man my favorite time of the year horror movies ghosts goblins ghouls witches vampires zombies mummies trick-or-treaters lots of halloween candy you can't go wrong forget october (laughs) i'll tell you about that in just a second but in honor of october in general I have decided and vowed to watch as many horror movies as possible. You know, last weekend I was over at my buddy JP's house and they were playing a Friday the 13th marathon on cable. And so we caught bits and pieces of some of them. You know, part six and part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. So I've always been a horror fan and I thought, what better way to celebrate the month then relive some of the classics some of the little more unknown gems out there in the world of treasures and horror movies and my wife elisa doesn't really like that kind of stuff she's not into the scary the scary scary if you know what i'm saying but i'm trying to ease her in there start her off with some some simple gems and and then move her into uh, the deep cuts but you know, the night, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, always scared the shit out of her as a kid. Same thing with the Halloween series and Michael Myers. But I'm trying to tell her it's just a dude in a mask. He's just acting. And and forget about Michael Myers, but Freddy Krueger is hilarious. I mean, I just recently rewatched the documentary uh, Never Sleep Again. It's on Netflix right now, but it, it goes through every single one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the ones with Robert England, <coughs> not the most recent one that had Jackie Earl Haley as the character. But yeah, it's he just says the funniest stuff. Like there's one one of the movies, I want to say it was part 3, The Dream Warrior. He comes out of a TV and slams the TV over this girl's head and he's all, "Welcome to prime time, bitch." <laughs> And so he was the man. He did the, he did all those one-liners, and it turned out he kind of was uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of horror movies because Arnold, in all those classic 80s films, he kind of did the same thing. It, right before or after, right after he killed somebody, he would say some funny line. Like, I don't, I can't think of one in particular, but I could just imagine like, you know, a guy gets gets smashed by a sledgehammer, and he's like. Oh, you just got nailed. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Wrong example. But just to celebrate, uh, I showed Elisa two movies this past weekend. The first one being Rob Zombie's debut directorial feature, House of a Thousand Corpses, came out in 2003. I think it was filmed in the early 2000s, but... Let's take a a trip back in time, and I can remember. Okay, so just a little background on Rob Zombie. The dude was a lead singer of a metal, industrial metal band 
called White Zombie. Very famous. Some of their songs get played at sports arenas all around the country. Always on modern rock radio till the end of time. You know, they had uh, Thunder Kiss 65 and, and More Human Than Human. And, you know, More Human Than Human, More Human Than Human. All of his songs. He kind of does that whole like. You know, like he he doesn't really sing. It's kind of like this weird scream talking thing. But he made some really cool videos. Say what you want about the musical styles of White Zombie and then later Rob Zombie, his solo musical endeavors. But he was a pretty cool director. He grew up on horror movies. He loved them like crazy. And... All of their, all of the white zombie videos, and then later his own, just were really cool visual. They would throw in scenes from classic movies from you know the 30s and 40s, the black and whites, just just images, images to provoke some sort of weird emotion in your brain. Very cool, like, and he also created just these awesome costumes and props that people would wear on stage while he was performing. And during this time, I was way deep into the horror movies. I was just discovering all the classics, the, the Friday the 13th, the Nightmare on Elm Streets, the Halloweens, the Texas Chainsaw Massacres, the Evil Deads, the Phantasms, the Child's Plays, the uh, Candyman, Hellraiser. Like every single iconic horror villain that you can think of, I, I watched them all at first. I'd go to Walmart and dig through their their $5 bin and get lots of the old school VHSs. That's how I got Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Day of the Dead. And then later it became DVDs and it was all about hunting for DVDs. And I really miss those days. And in fact, I just purchased a couple DVDs recently. I finally got the original Halloween from 1978 by John Carpenter. Can't believe I didn't own it. I owned pretty much all of the other Halloweens. Because I have every every single one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, except for the most recent one that came out a couple years ago. I have all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I have all the Friday the 13th. But I never really completed the Halloween collection. I had uh, number four and five. I have uh, another DVD that has uh, six, seven, and eight. And I also have two of Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. There's the remake and then the sequel to the remake. What I'm getting at is, at the time, I was uh, a little bit of a fan of Rob Zombie. I had seen him perform at one of the OzFests here in Northern California back in the day. I think it was 2002, the same year that System of a Down and and Ozzy played uh, as the headliners. And so I was kind of a fan of his music, and I just was very interested in seeing what kind of movie this guy could come up with, because... I felt some sort of a kinship with him. I was a horror fan. I loved all that kind of shit. The same stuff that he grew up on. And this was the early days of the internet still. And uh, there were movie websites, movie news websites, where you could read all of the behind-the-scenes stuff, the Hollywood gossip, uh, production notes and, and memos, and seeing how... Uh, certain certain films came to fruition and i remember with this one house of a thousand corpses reading that it was going to come out and then it couldn't come out and 
They were still waiting to get MPAA approval for theatrical release, and they didn't have uh, an official, uh, what do you call it, an official uh, distribution company. So it, w- it took years to come out, and he had a website for the movie where every month or every couple weeks he would release like another image or uh, give you another character actor that was going to be in the film. So 2003 rolls around. I never got a chance to see it. As far as I know, it was a very limited release, but I believe JP and JK went to Sacramento and saw it back in 03 sometime, sometime or another. Maybe they went to the Tower Theater. Maybe they went to the Crest Theater. But I believe the first time I saw this movie was 04 when I was living in Oregon with my brother Joe and his future wife Christina. I was working at Elite Car Bath, a car wash in Springfield, Oregon. And I used to just buy lots and lots of movies because I was a cinephile and I still am in some ways. I don't buy a lot of movies now, but I'd go and get my paycheck and go to Circuit City, Hollywood Video. Hollywood, I would go buy a lot of their previously viewed rentals because they were very cheap. Sometimes you get them three for 10 or three for 12. But if it was a really cool movie uh, that maybe wasn't a big rental or it was too old for it to be mass released, uh, I would have to go to, say, Circuit City Target. So I got House of a Thousand Corpses, and I remember loving it. And throughout the years, I probably watched that film ten times, maybe. Ten times. And uh, when the sequel, The Devil's Rejects, came out in '05. I believe it was me and my buddy Ian and JP, and we went to the State Theater in Woodland, California, and we saw that movie, and we were laughing hysterically. Is that every single part that was kind of inappropriate, we were laughing out loud, and it's not like the theater was packed, but uh, we definitely <laughs> st- stood out <laughs> in, the, in that little particular group. So, How's a Thousand Corpses? I hadn't seen this film in quite a while probably seven or eight years honestly i had watched it so many times back in the day but i wanted to show it to elisa and so friday night i pulled out the old dvd dusted off the dvd player hooked it up plugged it in and and we watched it and uh for those of you who don't know who haven't seen this movie it's basically a uh, tribute and homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and its subsequent sequels. It's all about this crazy family that lives in a house way in like Texas, something like that. And there's also a dude who has this crazy uh, roadside attraction freak show gas station. And he's also a clown. So for it's the, the late 70s, these four kids pull up, they... they see this roadside attraction they get really excited they hear about a local legend of a a murderer who was a a doctor who performed all these weird operations and blah 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 you see the movie it's pretty much all the innocent people die (laughs) but so here are my thoughts of watching this movie for the first time in a long time and i'll say that uh it wasn't as good as i remember it to be now it it for what it is, which is a uh, semi-exploitation horror film, 
it's still pretty good. And visually, I think with all of Rob Zombie's films, he knows how to set up a shot. Like, I don't even know if he was the cinematographer on that film that possibly somebody else was, but he definitely has a great eye and he knows how to use images to provoke emotions in your brain, you know? But the film itself, I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, sloppy <laughs> in some parts as far as how they explain certain things. Some of the acting is a little weak. The story itself doesn't make a whole lot of sense in parts. But uh, all the way through, you, you feel like... It feels like a midnight movie. Like they should be showing it. Uh, they should be showing it on Halloween during a, a movie marathon. Maybe it won't be the best one, but it's not up there with some of the classics like The Exorcist or The Shining or uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. It, but it's it's a pretty solid movie, and uh, The Devil's Rejects, the sequel. Uh, vastly superior but uh yeah it was it was cool to to watch it again and so yeah i mean elisa what didn't enjoy it that much i mean she's like it was all right but it was a little confusing in parts and i seem to have i, I guess I, I missed this before but uh, a lot of the uh weird clips that are shown in between scenes i believe they are flashbacks to the past the recent past and uh, so that that's something new that I learned. I also learned that the guy who plays Dr. Satan was not the person who I thought it was in the movie. That there's this weird, towards the end of the movie, there's this weird guy that's performing strange operation on a body. And he has all these metal arms holding his arms up. And I thought that was Dr. Satan. But really, it was another guy who comes out with this gas mask and, and uh, an axe. So either way, a pretty solid movie. Not, not one of the greats, but uh, with horror, there are so much, so many bad films out there that you know it's it's worth watching. And and visually, it's it's stunning. The colors and 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 the face paint and the costumes and so yeah. So that that was that one, House of a Thousand Corpses. Then Saturday night. See, it was Saturday. We we ended up going to the beach to Bodega Bay, and we're in California. Normally, when we go to the beach, we'll go to Point Reyes National Seashore, both in the Bay Area. I want to say Sonoma Coast, Marin County, maybe Sonoma County, one of the two. Yeah, you go by the Infineon Raceway on Highway 37 towards San Rafael, but... Uh, Lisa and I went to Bodega Bay in, in 2012 when we first got together, and we haven't been back since. We usually go to Point Reyes, and since we had the dog, we have never been to the beach up here with the dog. We've gone to the beach with her to Pismo down in uh, central southern California. We've been to the beach in Oregon, in uh, the Oregon coast in Florence, but never this one. So we went, we went um, to... Bodega Bay, which kind of ties into this whole October horror thing. Bodega Bay is the setting for Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, a classic movie from way back, way back when. And uh, they filmed a lot of the scenes there. 
and also parts of John Carpenter's The Fog were filmed in Bodega Bay, as well as Inverness, a town near Point Ridge. So this whole area is kind of got this cold vibe to it, even though it was kind of warm uh, for the first couple hours. It got really windy, windy to the point that my car was shaking. You know, we were parked up at this, I guess, a cliff. And there was this bike race going on, you know, all the dudes with the short shorts, <laughs> the short bicycle shorts, and uh, a lot of slow driving. Cops were out everywhere directing traffic. But there were, we were right near this beach that was closed off to the public and only open to the bicyclists. And they had these giant tents, and the tents looked like they were going to blow off the cliff. So my car was shaking, the tents were about to blow away. It was pretty crazy. But when we got home, we were pretty tired. We ended up going to uh, Islands Bar and Grill, a uh, nice little uh, Chili's-type Americana uh, chain restaurant and had some dinner, came back and had some margaritas, had a beer, and watched Dawn of the Dead remake. So Dawn of the Dead originally released in the late 70s. I want to say it was 1978 as well same year that Halloween came out but Dawn of the Dead was the original was a sequel to Night of the Living Dead George A. Romero classic zombie movie classic premise where you're basically held up the the characters are held up in a house in the middle of the country and they have to board up all the doors and windows because zombies are attacking and they want to eat them so fast forward 10 years later and Dawn of the Dead is about people who are holed up in a mall and there's this whole underline of consumerism and uh, complacency. Uh, it's kind of a, a uh, look at uh, how society was at that point in time and how people were more wrapped up in, in commercialism uh, than anything else. You know, like the 60s were such a, a progressive time uh, for politics and, and social justice. Then in the 70s, everything, I mean, became all right once the Vietnam War was over and people were buying cars. They were going to the mall. That was when the malls first started popping up uh, and shopping was insane. So this this remake of Dawn of the Dead. Now, the original was one of my favorites of all time. I I consider it just up there, like, top three, probably. Top three zombie movies. Well, definitely the number one zombie movie, but top three horror movies for me personally. So when this remake uh, was announced, 2004, this was, a, this was a year after House of a Thousand Corpses came out, I definitely had my reserves because remakes were were the thing at that time. And they continued on, and they're still going on. And a lot of horror remakes ha just haven't lived up to the original. Whether we're talking about The Omen, we're talking about The Hitcher, Black Christmas, uh, When a Stranger Calls. I mean, the remakes just keep going on and on. But Dawn of the Dead, I think, serves as a, a perfect example of a remake gone right. Because... We watched this movie on Saturday night. I hadn't seen this one in, in about six or seven years as well. And it's still pretty solid to this day. You can tell that 
right around 2002 to 2004, cinema and the visual look was changing. It all of a sudden stopped looking like everything was uh, filmed on sound stages and, and looked more like real life in different areas. And just from my, my eye in particular, I could tell that there is a lot of Hollywood still in that, in that film. I mean, I've been to Universal Studios and I've seen what a, a fake suburban area looks like. And in the beginning of the film, there's this whole uh, sequence where this woman's trying to escape from a suburban neighborhood and zombies are attacking, there's explosions, people getting hit by cars. So I could definitely tell from that that, yeah, that was Hollywood, but then they go into the mall. So the the reason this remake uh, works so well is that they didn't take any of the original story. They didn't take any of the original characters. It's It was a brand new story, and the only thing that they kept was the premise, was people hiding out in a mall, <laughs> and zombies are coming to attack the mall. But other than that, that's, that's where the similarities are. There's a nice little cameo from, uh, God, the guy's name. I, don't, I can't think of his name right now, but he is the black actor from the original Dawn of the Dead. He was also in The Devil's Rejects. Oh, Ken Forhey, also in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. But Ken Forhey does a, a nice little cameo. I don't think I remembered that before. Also, Tom Savini, the makeups wizard responsible for the original Dawn of the Dead and also later Friday the 13th. He does a cameo in it. So the, the, those are nice little throwbacks. But I, I feel like if this film wasn't made correctly and if it wasn't even semi-successful one good zombie movie like this there's a hundred more that are terrible and i've seen a lot of them but some of them i won't even watch and at this point in my life i don't want to waste any time i'm afraid to take the chance on something that i haven't heard anything about because there are some of these zombie movies that just they look terrible <laughs> And uh, you could tell they're very low budget, the makeup's bad, the acting's bad. I want some quality in my undead, if you know what I'm saying. So this, this movie is just, it's pretty relentless. This was during the phase where zombies were fast. You know, normally when the dead come back to life, they are very slow. They don't have their, the same motor skills. They're driven by instinct. All they want to do is... is, is is eat but these ones they uh inspired by the film uh 28 days later by danny boyle these these zombies these undead creatures have like almost like a rabies type virus and they're just running faster and have more strength than they ever had before just driven by mayhem slamming themselves up against windows and doors and barbed wire fences <laughs> But the acting is pretty good. There's still some iffy parts, but not nearly as much as, say, House of Thousand Corpses. And this was Zack Snyder's first Hollywood feature film, and Zack Snyder went on to make some huge comic book and otherwise films. He did uh, uh, 300 with Gerard Butler, the story of Sparta, the, the Spartans. <laughs> And uh, that was based on a Frank Miller comic book. He also did The Watchmen, a uh, famous 
graphic novel from the 80s based on the Alan Moore novel. Uh, some good acting, good visuals. Later, he did a film called Sucker Punch, which I don't. I think that was an original story. Didn't do so well, but then he came back. He made Man of Steel, uh, first Superman movie since 2006's uh superman returns is that right and now he's going to be well he's already done it the batman v superman dawn of justice probably one of the most anticipated films in my spectrum that i've had for quite a while i know i mean as far as batman goes i've always loved batman i mean i even love uh val kilmer and batman forever not really a George Clooney fan as far as Batman and Robin, but the Dark Knight trilogy was pretty good. I was one of the few that was kind of disappointed with the last of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, the uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises. But the film uh, that he did previously, the Dark Knight featuring Christian Bale's Batman and uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker, probably up until that point, the greatest comic book film ever made. Heath Ledger uh, was amazing, and it's going to be really hard to top the Joker. Now, I know Jared Leto is going to be playing him in Suicide Squad coming out next year, and he looks great as well. So, I, I mean, I think anybody who's going to play that character is going to do a good job. I don't think that, with, as far as uh, the, the careful handling that studios and, and companies have, they're not going to let that go to shit. But getting back to Zack Snyder and this Dawn of the Dead movie, visually, very impressive. I, uh, it still holds up to this day. It's been 11 years. The colors are awesome. Uh, some great action sequences, explosions. Then they get to a point in the film where they take these two buses in the parking garage and start putting all this armor on them. Uh, a big old, uh, what do you call it? So, you know the uh, the uh, construction trucks that, that they push stuff out of the way? It's not a steamroller, but it just has like a, a solid wedge on the front. They, they do that. They put one of those on one of the buses. And this whole sequence uh, where they're trying to escape the mall and get to the marina, this is very uh, George A. Romero-esque, kind of the most... Uh, unrealistic part of whatever a, a, a realistic zombie movie could be and there a, a propane tank explodes and and they get out of there and then it flips over so other than that I mean it's a pretty solid movie and I, to my surprise there's an actor and I, I believe his name is Michael Kelly I could be wrong but he, uh, he plays a character called CJ which is one of the three security guards that worked at the mall that they run into and i was like who is this guy i know this guy from something and then i looked it up really quick and realized that he played doug stamper in house of cards the netflix show with kevin spacey very political but entertaining and so i thought that was really cool because in house of cards i'm used to seeing him as a very quiet but serious uh politician with some well he's not a politician but he he well i guess he's not a, a a leader as far as that but he works in politics but he also has a very quiet sinister side 
And in Dawn of the Dead, he's just like uh, kind of a dick. He's got muscles, but at the end, he redeems himself and and blows himself up to to help everybody else get away. Ving Rhames, Sarah Pauly, other than that, Mackay Pfeiffer. Other than that, there aren't that many big names, but uh, nice cameos. I I realized that one of the guys in the movie, uh, I think his name was Matt Frewer, could be wrong about that as well. He played the neighbor in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and later he was in Zack Snyder's The Watchmen. So that was kind of cool to see. But yeah, it's a pretty pretty solid film to this day. There's there's some creepiness a little bit. And uh, he took a, a, a genre like zombies and turned it into an action film, but didn't... Uh, didn't make it cheesy at all. They took they took the material very seriously, and uh, that's good to see, man. So, uh, Elisa did enjoy that one. I enjoyed watching it again, and uh, uh, compared to House of a Thousand Corpses, it's a little bit higher on my horror movie list. But yeah, I mean this this whole month, I want to keep uh, watching scary movies and and talking about them. Because it's all about October. I just, uh, I think I told you I uh, recent. Ah, blah, blah. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I told you before this whole story that I went and bought the original Halloween at Dimple, and I also bought John Carpenter's Vampires, which is a very underrated film with James Woods. James Woods is an awesome actor. He's been in some good stuff. So I'm gonna get around to watching that this month as well. But I said October, forget October. Now, there's a meaning behind that phrase. And I'll take you back to the band days of Gifted and Allies, Drive-By Turkey, when J.K. left the band and he went and started a, another band called Fact and Nonverbo with some other guys in Woodland. J.P. and I tried to continue our band. And we thought, eh, if we're going to get a different drummer, we need to change our name again. So we, for a very brief time, we called ourselves Forget October because we both love October. We both love horror movies. We played, uh, we continued practicing in this room uh, in downtown Woodland called uh, the Porter Building. And this dude, uh, Aaron, don't don't need to mention his last name. Uh, he had the, the most fucking bullshit drum set i've ever seen to this day it looked like it was made out of tree stumps there was it was wood there was no finish on it the the hardware was barely hanging on i don't even think there was a head on the front of it 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 really looked like somebody built this drum set in their garage or something but he lived down the street from uh sammy jp's girlfriend and we i we used to walk all the time, walk through Woodland, and we heard him uh, playing drums one day and, and just got to talking and said, hey, you, you want to play for us? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to be in a band. So we had a few practices, and um, it just didn't it didn't work out very well. <laughs> he just wasn't, I don't know, he, he couldn't keep a beat very well he couldn't remember things very well i think he had adhd and he had a lot of other problems he had a girlfriend that lived in placerville and so and then on top of that we ended up having to leave the porter building because they decided that they didn't want bands to play there anymore or the other story i heard was that the guy 
who was the manager of the building was having bands play there and pay rent and he wasn't supposed to. So that ended up getting dissolved out and we we left. Uh, well, yeah, there was we didn't play with that guy anymore. <laughs> there was one disastrous little performance at Cash Creek High School and I, I don't really remember it other than us being there. But uh, then a couple months later, I, I ended up moving to uh, Oregon and came back eventually. But that's where that whole era ended. And forget October, it will always make me think of that time. And there is actually one, one roll of pictures <laughs> from a disposable camera that, uh, that I have. And I actually still have all the pictures. And it, it's kind of interesting uh, snapshot in time. No pun intended. <laughs> and you can see me. I have my uh, pink hair and my AFI shirt and my baggy windbreaker pants. <laughs> and also uh, uh, JP with his long hair, a little bit of bleach in there. And also um, pictures of the drummer, pictures of Ian came to visit one time and hung out. And good times, man, good times. But we're talking about bands and, and that time period and... I want to uh, play some shit for you because I haven't played any music in a while other than my own. And I'm going to talk about two bands that were pretty influential uh, to me, even though musically you can you can uh, say what you want about them. But uh, the first band was, uh, they were called Lemon Yellow, <laughs> and they were a pop punk band from Woodland, California. They played at Woodland High School. Saw them at one of the uh, homecomings. <laughs> and uh, there were three-piece. They later became a four-piece. And because of them, I got uh, introduced to that whole pop-punk scene. They had a website, and each band member kind of told their, stu uh, their little biography and what bands they were influenced by so i saw that they liked blink 182 and messed and newfound glory a lot of stuff that girls liked at the time and uh i think a lot of the guys thought that they were a little too wussy too girly they weren't metal they weren't punk you know uh, they weren't hardcore punk so uh they were they weren't as respected by at least my group of friends but it's not like it really fucking mattered to them because they went out of town. They played with other bands. They played uh, venues in the Sacramento and Yolo County area. So, hey, good for them, man. And, and they eventually they dissolved. But uh, here is one of their hit songs. And then we'll be right back. Sometimes when I fall asleep, the last thought is of you. Words were said, I can't recall I went to bed, you never called I hope that we find a way A way to make you stay Cause every day the passes by I can't find the will to try When all else goes Sometimes when I fall asleep The last thought is of you Never ever talk to you But I know that I'll get the nerve to finally say your name Cause every day 
songs on your mind I see you every single day But you don't know I'm alive Maybe this is just a bit But you're wonderful to me Cause every day the past is right They find the will to try When all else Fails they don't know what to do And all else Fails they always come back to you And all else Fails they don't know what to do So there you go, man. There's a nice little throwback to early 2000s pop punk. Uh, one of the more successful bands to come out of Woodland, California. And perhaps you've never heard that song before. Perhaps you've never even heard of the band before. Well, I'm here to give bands a second chance. That maybe the first time uh, they, they got uh, lost in the shuffle like a child, oh lord. <laughs> But they were pretty good songwriters, and whatever happens to what, what happened to them was the same thing that happens to a lot of bands. And they get older, and priorities change. Got to get jobs. Got to go to college, especially a high school band. You know, guys want to go off to school and, and start doing their career. And so, yeah, I remember downloading that track off of MP3.com, and I probably downloaded some of their other stuff from either from their official website or maybe some people through AOL Instant Messenger. But I have a total of five songs that they did. I think they only did like six to eight. So, yeah, there's some pop punk. Another band that uh, you may have not heard of was uh, a group called Sedated Replica. And they uh, were fronted by a guy, another guy from Woodland called, uh, named, <laughs> called named Kevin. Kevin Dickel at the time, which later was uh, Kevin Wersch, and Ian McCandless, my buddy, played bass, and they kind of grew up together as friends, and then an, their drummer was a guy named Cassidy Garcia, and all of those guys ended up playing in other bands later, and Kevin always made music, and I always respected him, because at a time where, as a musician, I was trying to just do the craziest stuff I could, and and the things that I liked were very technical and precise. This was a guy that just wanted to write stuff that was extremely simple. And songwriting came pretty easy and natural to him because he grew up with it. I believe his uh, grandpa or his dad was in a band. His brothers were in bands. So there's that. He grew up on the Beatles and later things like Nirvana and the Pixies at the drive-in. And then from there, his influences just became even more and more indie. And he developed a really cool sound. And he was very, very picky about certain things in music. And that was one of his strengths. And the whole band was very, very cool. And 
they had their own image, their own attitude. They didn't play that many shows, but they wrote some really good songs. And I'm not just saying that because my buddy Ian <laughs> was in the band, but they played at one of the uh, Battle of the Bands at Woodland High School with us. And uh, they were cool. They were awesome. And I want to play, I'm going to play you two songs in a row from a recording that I don't know how often has ever been heard. And if this gets around, you know, maybe, maybe Kevin will come back and, and start playing again uh, publicly. <laughs> that would be cool. I don't know. He's got a kid now and it's, uh, it's a whole different world out there as far as trying to be in a band and uh, success is all in your head. <laughs> uh, success is whatever you want it to be. And if you think being rich and famous and the most popular thing out there is success, chances are you're not going to make it. But if if success to you is, is making fans and, and having some people who really enjoy what you do, well, then that that's another that's another way to look at it and i always like their music i liked going to their practices watching them play uh, very unique sound and these particular recordings were recorded in woodland at a studio i think it was called coker studios somewhere on the other side of downtown and i don't know if it was officially released but their uh lead guitarist was chris young and very cool indie sound so enjoy these next two tracks and then we'll come back and we'll just finish off tonight's podcast.
Yeah, there you go, man. Some really cool stuff from another forgotten band, Lost in the Ether, Sedated Replica. I have quite a bit of songs that they put out. Not everything, but I always respected uh, that group and uh, the different incarnations of it. And so, hey, man, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, and and uh, I'll tell you more about them. And maybe one day... <laughs> This is this is a very very far fetched thing, but maybe one day we could have uh, Kevin on the podcast. I don't know, he's kind of a a lost. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he, he he's a uh, he, he's a very mysterious figure. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, so what else, man? I don't know. This is uh, just another another one of those free-for-all podcasts talking about October and bands and horror movies. And uh, Other than that, I um, the website, the Rural Suburban website, I've been working on a lot. I scanned a ton of old pictures, pictures that have never been digitally scanned uh, ever. And a lot of it was uh, from the Drive-By Turkey Gifted Allies days. And very cool some old flyers as well but uh some stuff that i had i haven't seen in so long i haven't heard those songs in so long either so pretty soon though this is a it's a slow ongoing project but i, I can't wait to get it done because it's just uh it's my goal to do before i die <laughs> so i could say hey i, I, I didn't want to i didn't do uh nothing with my life and i was telling my wife about that earlier i'm 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 totally fine not getting a lot of sleep. I want to uh, constantly absorb things, whether it's visuals and audio and, and reading and the internet, books, magazines, comic books. I like to go places. I like to travel. It's it's all about just uh, I want to want it all in there in my brain, and I also want to just put it out as well. Try to do as much of the all the photos and the and the the songs that I've written and recorded and the places that I've played and it's my life's work and it never ends and and it's the most enjoyable part uh, other than just uh, hanging out with my ladies <laughs> Elisa and Phoenix it's uh yeah it's the most enjoyable part of my life so yeah man I guess uh, I'll let you know when that happens as far as the recording I still got four more songs to record I. Uh, almost finished. Uh, almost finished writing a new one. Just gotta try to find the time. We're gonna start eating healthy uh, at home because I got the gym thing down. But uh, to try to get this belly fat trimmed a little bit, gotta start uh, eating less carbs. But yeah, that's that's about what's everything that's going on in my world. Hopefully, pretty soon uh, I can hook up with JP and JK and we could do our annual at least uh last year it happened so this year let's make it an annual thing where we go visit one of the local haunted house attractions and halloween it's gonna be fun i want to try to get a bowling thing going on but yeah that's gonna be it for me in in this episode and thanks again to everybody for tuning in and subscribing you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Stephen MJ Getney. This podcast is available at facebook.com slash Stephen Getney Podcast. And you can download all the music that uh, I've released so far at ruralsuburban.bandcamp.com. And very soon, we will start curating all of the uh, older recordings. Uh, all the guys that I used to play in bands with, we're going to start going through all the old tracks pick out the best ones, create little collections, because like the stuff I played earlier on this show, we have music that deserves to be out there and deserves to be heard, and not everything we did was awesome and perfect, but some of it is uh, pretty incredible and stands the test of time, just like some of the other shit we do, so I'm going to leave you with this. See you next week. Have a good one.